Amen. Good morning. How are we all doing? Good, good. I am, I'm excited to be here. I want to thank, uh, Pastor Walt and the leadership team for giving me, uh, this, this opportunity to speak to you guys about what God's been speaking to me over this series. Uh, I am the youth pastor here and, uh, and, and I love, I'm a morning person. I don't know if any of you guys are. Some of you guys may have woken up like a half hour ago and, uh, or may still be in process of waking up, but I'm, I'm a morning person. So I'm going to be here. If I'm awake, I'm moving a hundred miles an hour. So, uh, bear with me, but, uh, I, I want to say, uh, real quick, it is so cool to work and so, so awesome to work at glad tidings. Um, I am there. There are not very many pastors or youth pastors that uh, get to say they work at their church of choice. And I, uh, my wife and I attended here uh, long before I ever worked here. And uh, it is uh, I grew up. I had the blessing and the curse of growing up uh, around ministry. My dad's a pastor and has has uh, I, so I've seen church work happen and I've seen uh, what it looks like when uh, imperfect flawed people try to live out and represent a perfect God and a lot of times you see that imperfection shine and uh, that that can uh, that can be hard and uh, and I just I just want to say um, I have never seen uh, or witnessed a church that is uh, as unified, as integrous, uh, full of integrity, as uh, and as honorable as this team, uh, and I and I really see it's due, uh, obviously in what the Holy Spirit and what God's doing, but also in the faithfulness of our senior pastor. Can we give a hand to Pastor Wall and how he's led this church? It's. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing to be a part of, uh, be on the staff here. So, um, I, uh, so as I said, I'm the youth pastor here. So I'm used to preaching to students. They got a lot of energy. And, uh, so I'm going to be needing some help from you guys. There you go. Come on. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, but I want to open this up in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, using each and every one of us, God, I pray that you use me, God, to speak your words, that each person here would hear what your spirit has to say, not what I have to say, that they were here, would hear your words and your encouragements for their lives, uh, not, not what I have to speak in my words, Lord. So uh, I pray that you have something stand out to each person in this room uh, to live out and to change. And we declare this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 80. We're in this series. I'm excited about this series. Diving in, looking at scripture. What does it say? And uh, so here's a little context of, uh, of what's going on. This is Luke's account of the life of Jesus Christ that he's giving to Theophilus. And uh, just trying to prove the messiahship of Jesus, that he was the Christ, the Messiah who is prophesied to come. And uh, then in it's, it's following up, uh, really the context of the story, it's following up 400 years of what's called 400 years of silence. 
where no prophets were. God didn't uh, bring prophets. There, were, there weren't any like amazing things that, that were happening that made people go, oh my goodness, God, there's his prophet, there's his word. We have this direction. It's this period of silence. And, um, and so that's where Luke picks up. We've talked about uh, the angel announcing the birth of John the Baptist and then moving over to Mary 50 miles south and saying, hey, now you are going to uh, be pregnant and birth uh, the Messiah, Jesus. And uh, then we see Mary go up and visit Elizabeth. And uh, this is where we're at. Elizabeth uh, Zechariah was given. So Zechariah was given that word from the angel. If we, uh, if we remember that angel came said, Hey, you're going to have a son. He's like, uh, what's up? I'm old. How is this going to happen? Like that, that my wife's old. Like, I don't know if this is going to happen. And the angel said, because of your unbelief, this is your sign. And so that's twofold. What it is, it's, uh, and, and then, and then the angel silenced him and shut his mouth. Um, and so, what what it's twofold it's both kind of a punishment of like hey stop stop being such an unbeliever and then it's also a sign the angel said this is your sign and so it's it's prophetic it's prophetic of this 400 years of silence you are going to represent this silence and this is where we're at and uh so we'll pick up in verse 57 and uh, here we have now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. So uh, one thing I want to I want to point out here, if we can go uh, go back on verse 58 uh the word and here at the very beginning, it actually the it comes from a Greek word, Kai, which which implies sequence. It implies a sequential order. And so uh, if you remember Zechariah, his mouth was shut. And then uh, Elizabeth, when she found out that she was going to be carrying this baby, she went into seclusion and she it says she did not come out, that she stayed in her house and uh, and. This and meaning could also be translated and then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. So they most likely did not know that she was even pregnant. And they find out that she's pregnant with a child when she actually gives birth. This is crazy. This is weird. And it's not a cultural thing. It's not something that people did back in the day uh, that anybody's aware of. And so what I, what I believe is that, uh, as, as we remember, Gabriel, the angel, spoke to Zechariah, showed up to Zechariah, not to Elizabeth. And Zechariah received the word, but Elizabeth carried out the prophecy. Elizabeth carried it out. And, and so what, what she did is I imagine she says, man, I'm praise God. Thank you that he's removing my disgrace among the people. How great would it have been to take nine months and be like, what's up? I'm pregnant. Are you fools? Like, come on. Because if you weren't, if you weren't having kids, it was like, oh man, they probably are cursed by God or something. And they'd look, boom, right here. You know, it'd be like, come on. That's what's up. And, uh, but she didn't. She does the exact opposite. She goes into hiding. Why? I believe that she took on the same weight, the same honor that was prophesied that, that her husband carried with his sign as well. And she took on that sign of silence and she took on that same thing. She carried it with the same weight. And, and so we need we need to learn from Elizabeth here. 
We need to learn from Elizabeth and, and there, we, each one of us has something that we are carrying for someone else, a prophecy, a word. If you serve, like for, for example, if you serve at the church, you're carrying out a vision, something that God probably didn't speak initially to you, but spoke to the leader, the pastor, the director of that ministry. Uh, for example, in kids, if you serve, anybody serve in kids, come on, that's what's up. That's so cool. And, and we have, uh, Pastor Isaiah and Mickey have heard and received this word from God that we aren't just doing a child care. We are, we are doing something that's raising disciples, lifelong disciples, and we're ministering to families, not just kids. And it, it is this thing. It's this word that God has given and they own it and they live it. And we, you guys, as you serve, carry that out. You guys are the carriers of the word that God has spoken to them. Honor that, live it out with the same, the same weight that Elizabeth did. Saying, I am going to take on the same thing. I'm not just going to do it. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it with the same heart. I'm going to do it with the same weight, the same honor. Uh, we need to learn to be a little bit more like Elizabeth. And then uh, verse 59, starting back up here. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. Uh, and they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted uh, him to be called. So this is, this is funny. If we want to stop here, uh, I like to imagine what would it be like to be there during this time, be in that room when, when this is going on. And I'm just trying to figure out. So first of all, this is uh, a sign that he was not only de- uh, mute, but he was also deaf. So uh, that word, that Greek word can mean both because when you're deaf, you're usually mute. And so it kind of has that correlation there. Uh, and so they made signs to him and they're trying to say, hey, what do you want your, your son to be called? I'm just trying to figure out what were they doing? How do you communicate that? Like how in the world do you, anybody good at charades? Anybody, anybody like charades? You guys know what I'm talking? Yeah, come on. There we go. We got a couple people in here and I'm trying to figure out what in the world would you do if, uh, if you're playing charades and suddenly we, you, you get a card that says, all right, there's what you got to act out. Do you want your son to be named Zachariah or John? Go. Okay. 11 words. First word sounds like, like, that would be bad. This is, I'm not sure what they were doing if they were like, all right, name tag, baby, name, Zachariah, toilet, or John. Do you want it to be John? No. You don't want the, no. And they're like, they're trying to, I, I don't know what they're doing, but uh, I just imagine that would have been fun to, to see, to witness around there. But uh, so this is what Zechariah does. They're acting like fools. And uh, Zechariah pulls out a tablet, um, not an iPad. He's got uh, like a piece of wood, wax on it, scratches out the wax. He can write. They didn't have iPads back then. I'm sorry. Uh, how did they survive, right? Come on, students. There you go. Verse 69, three, where are we at? 
63, verse 63. There we go. And he asked them for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. They were amazed, uh, astonished, marveled. That's what that means. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. Come on. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And so uh, this is this is what's going on. You see, uh, first in verse 63, we see it says uh, they all wondered the people around go, huh? What's going on? Something's happening. This is interesting. Why is he naming this kid John instead of Zechariah? That doesn't that that doesn't make sense. And um, and then and then it says uh, in verse sixty five that they feared. They feared. And see what's going on is this revelation is unfolding of something's happening and then suddenly the the child is born and and he he opens his mouth and finally he's able to speak and they're like okay okay something's happening something big is happening and uh and and you see what they're wondering then they ask the question what is this child going to be and what they're asking in this time is actually uh they're they're saying is this kid right here is he the messiah is he it is is it is it coming is it happening is it finally after 400 years is this finally happening oh my goodness and they feared and in that fear is is both this like all respect aspect but it's also i believe like legitimate fear like scare being scared because they had the messiah they associated with conquering rome and so uh, there, the prophecies were he would create a kingdom and this kingdom would rule the world and would last forever. And so they think that this is literal. It's actually a spiritual kingdom that's happening and that, that Jesus is initiating. And they think that the enemy is Rome when the enemy is really sin. And uh, we see that uh, that they're going, OK, so if this is the Messiah. Are we about to go to war? Is this what's about to happen? Are we going to go against Rome? Is something, and, and they've seen this happen. Jews had, had a couple uprisings against Rome. And as recently as three years before this, there were uprisings. And every single one ended in massacre and slaughter and beheadings. And even the most recent one, in thousands of people, about 2,000 Jews being hung on crosses for the world to witness their death. And, this, and so this is what they're thinking. They're thinking, we've tried this. We've seen this. Is is this happening? Is this the prophecy? Is this the Messiah who's actually going to bring us victory in this? Could it be? And and they wondered and they were amazed. And when I read this, I don't know about anybody else. Is anybody else here a Nebraska football fan? Come on. When I read this, the first thing I think about is Scott Frost, right? It's obvious correlation. So you see Scott Frost, he is, if you guys don't know, 
He is the last person to quarterback the Nebraska football team to a national championship. And, uh, and so he's like, yes, this is awesome. And then he leaves. He goes, has success in the NFL. He wins there. He goes and goes into coaching and every step in coaching, he has success and he's winning. And then he goes and he coaches his own team for the past two years and does something that no one's ever done before, bringing a winless team to an undefeated team in two years. And then he becomes available on the coaching market and Nebraska needs a coach all at the same time. Time, the chosen one is coming home and you can't help but get excited and want to like come on is this it's happening something's happening right and there's 20 years of silence of nebraska football just not being that great it's being broken this silence is being broken I need to repent for comparing Scott Frost to Jesus. Just a second. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm sorry, Lord. Anyway. Uh, so these people are expecting something. And uh, they, they are anticipating because suddenly 400 years of silence. And even before that, the Holy Spirit would like show up sporadically. But the Holy Spirit uh, was showing up. All the time at this time. And uh, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then John was filled with the Holy Spirit inside of her before he was ever born. And then Mary was filled and overshadowed with the Holy Spirit. If we remember from Carrie's message. And then uh, now Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's about to prophesy. The Holy Spirit's moving. Something's happening. Something amazing is getting ready to happen. And I don't know if you guys feel it, but I feel the same thing here at glad tidings that God's doing something. The Holy Spirit's moving, right? Come on. And pastor Walt's like, we got something big happening. And we go, what is it? What is it? I'm wondering, I'm amazed. I'm marveling at this. Something is happening. What's going on? The Holy Spirit's doing something and I'm ready for it. We need to have this same level of expectation in every area of our life. What is the Holy Spirit doing? What is he doing? Uh, I believe something is happening. And so, uh, so Zechariah, man, there's a lot of stuff in this passage. It is good. Come on. The Bible is so good. Amen. And uh, so let's move back in. This is Zechariah. Uh, then he moves into his prophecy. It's a song and it's a two part uh, prophecy. And it starts in verse 68 uh, where he says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he is visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies in the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Days. So this first half, this is the first part of his, his prophecy. And it's actually all one sentence. Verse 68 through 75, someone give the Holy Spirit a little grammatical lesson and run on sentences. Um, but we have this theme through this. And it is redeemed his people, salvation for us, saved from our enemies, delivered from the hands of our enemies. It's this theme of salvation. This theme of... there, there And so this first part of this song... Uh, you just got, got to picture this with me. So Mary gets pregnant, goes up, visits Elizabeth in her sixth month. And then the Bible says that Mary stayed for three months. So 
most likely Mary was there when this is going on and and Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit and he begins to prophesy over two people in the room. He begins to first prophesy Mary sitting in the corner on the chair and he prophesies over the baby still in her womb. And this is what he said. He says, you will be the savior. You will be the you will be the one. You are the Messiah. People say, who is this child going to be? And he says, you're looking for the Messiah. The Messiah is right there. This is what's happening. And then verse 76, he says, and you child. And I, I just picture this him holding John in his hand. He says, you child will be called the prophet of the most high. You'll be the prophet for him. And, and you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace and the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to israel so what is he saying he says this is the messiah this is the prophet who is spoken of in malachi 3 1 so malachi 3 1 says i will send my messenger uh who will prepare the way before me then suddenly the lord said uh the lord you are seeking will come to his temple the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will Come And so Malachi, just take a guess with me here. Who was the last prophet before the 400 years of silence? Malachi. Yes, he was the last prophet before these 400 years. And one of his last words that he speaks then is bookended on the other end with this same word. And it bookends in in saying, this child is the prophet. That is the Messiah. Here we go. Something's happening. We're breaking the silence. We're ready to move. This is, this is, it's actually happening now. This thing that was prophesied so long ago. And, uh, and I believe this is, this is so cool because Zechariah takes this time and he speaks over these two people in the room. And if I, if I can stop for a second and just say, uh, I get an opportunity to talk to students a lot. I get to preach to students. I get to have one-on-one conversations and not as often with parents. And so I just want to say to parents right now, please, please take a lesson from Zechariah. Speak over your kids. Speak the truth of the word of God. The Holy Spirit filled Zechariah and he spoke what God said over these, over these kids. And speak those same things. Come on. Come on. And so, and we see this. This is everywhere in scripture. In fact, uh, I have three things. I have three things for, for you parents just in the middle of this. This is a little tangent. Uh, three things. First of all, First uh, Samuel 16, 7. Uh, you don't have to turn there. It's going to be real fast. Samuel, the prophet, comes over and he's looking for a new king. Saul's a bad king. And he's looking for a new king. And uh, he goes, God says, go to Jesse's sons. He looks at Jesse's son, looks at his oldest son. He's like, dude, that's a strapping young lad. And uh, he's big. He's broad shoulders, tall. He looks awesome. And he's like, all right, you look like a dude I'd follow. You look like a, I, I would totally. And then this is what God says. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. Number one, parents, listen to God for what he has to say about your kids. Okay? 
His truth will, will surpass and be greater than anything that you see. Don't look at their diagnoses. Don't look at their disabilities. Don't look at, don't look at any of the problems that you see. Their, their weaknesses and their strengths and go, this is what I see because of these things. No, the world can say all it wants to say, but God has something different to say. God has something better to say. Look, close your eyes and listen to what God has to say for your kids. Listen. And then second thing, speak it over them. Tell them. Tell them, this is what I believe in you. This is what I see in you. So many kids don't get this. So many people don't get this. And then third, support them, empower them, and at times refuse to accept anything less than what God has spoken over them. Live this out. Parents, please. I have youth come all from, from all over and, and their only spiritual support, their only emotional support comes from myself and the leaders in MA and, and going, man, that's not how it's supposed to be. It's not how it's supposed to be. It's broken. It's wrong. And they need parents at their home to speak over them and to believe in them. Come on. So. This is so important to my wife and I. Uh, we do this with our kids a lot. And we just say, hey, this is what I see in you. You are this. You're this. And, and, and uh, my wife specifically will go through things and she'll just be like, hey. Repeat after me. Say, I am, I am loved, loved. I am, I am chosen, chosen. I am. And, and she'll repeat these things to the kids for them to speak over themselves as well. And some of the most powerful times that I've done this, two different times that I did this specifically with my daughter, Araya. And if you don't know, I, she, about a year ago, December 14th, this last Thursday was her one year birthday. And uh, she, she was born... And she had, uh, there's just, there's a lot of complications and there's a lot of problems with this an emergency C-section and, and all the stuff going on. And she was born with a problem. We couldn't figure out what it was, but her blood sugar kept dropping. Uh, turns out her body was not producing cortisol like it should, which is a hormone that helps like keep you alive. When your blood sugar drops, uh, it gets to a point where, uh, you then get brain damage and then can potentially die. And so this is serious stuff that's going on and we can't figure out, we keep pumping her blood with all the sugar and it's not staying up. And we're going, what's going on? We have no clue how to solve this. And uh, this happened to my wife and it also happened to me where we would take turns visiting her in the, in the NICU and the other would be at home with the kids. And when I was there, I remember I was sitting in a chair and I was holding her and she has these wires and these tubes and everything attached to her. And, and I'm just, and I hold her in my hands and I go, God, she is yours. She is yours, not mine. If you want to take her right now, I will declare you as good still. But right now, I'm also going to declare some things over her. And I'm also going to prophesy over her. And I'm going to, and I'm going to do this just like Zechariah speaks over his kid. I'm going to do this for her. And I'm going to say, man, God, I believe she is a miracle child. I believe that she is chosen by you. I believe she is a worshiper. I believe she will live out her middle name of joy. I believe, and, I, and I'm speaking these things over her. And I'm saying, you, God, your truth truth reigns supreme over this who knows what's going on and in in seven months later the second time this happened uh we we were discovering more things in her uh her body essentially this cortisol it produces and then it just stops and it gets nothing and her body's not producing anything in her and as soon as stress induces it's just and and she plummets and she goes to zero she flatlines on it and it's a problem and so they would induce stress and they see this and they say okay we're going to do one more test we're going to test some different things and we're going to figure out if this thing is chronic and she's going to live with it for the rest of her life or what exactly is going on 
So we go in uh, for this, and specifically at the half-hour mark is when her body just stops. When her body just stops doing its thing and in flatlines. And so I call my parents, I call my in-laws, I call my wife, I call my family. Uh, we post on Facebook, you guys were praying. And right then, during that half-hour period, I was like, God, right now I hold her up, and I'm going to declare the things that you're saying over her. I'm going to declare healing over her. I see she is a miracle. She is chosen. She will be a worshiper. She is going to be someone so filled with joy. And, and I'm declaring these things over her as I'm holding her in that room, the, uh, the the tests come back and turns out what happens instead of her, uh, her cortisol shutting down. What happens is now it responds twice as strong as every other person. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God good? I believe my daughter is healthy. My daughter is alive because of the words spoken over her. Speak over your children. Live it. Empower them, please. And for those of you who, uh, parents who you have been, you've been praying, you got kids, you got family members, you got, you got loved ones that are lost and you've been praying over them and pursuing this. And God, I want to see this breakthrough. Remember Zechariah spoke this over John after, after 400 years of silence, 400 years of not getting anything back and people waiting and expecting and nothing's happening. And then after 400 years, the silence is broken and people keep praying, keep pursuing, keep standing in the gap for the children, for the lost, for your loved ones who need Jesus, because the silence will be broken. I believe that God has great things for you. I just want to speak that for you guys. Please don't give up. Keep praying. God's got something good on the other side of this silence. Amen. Amen. Verse 63 is um, where I want to finish up here. And um, see, Zechariah, he, the reason people were like, what's going on? Why name your child? Uh, John, in verse 63, says, ask for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. So he's obeying the angel, what the angel told him. But he's actually also doing something really prophetic here. Because culturally, if you look at what's going on, he's an old man. And uh, he is, they're like, wow, this miracle baby, this is so cool. You got a kid. And so the way you carry on your family legacy in this time is by your name. And you name your child after you so that your legacy, Zachariah is a great dude. Uh, a priest, he was chosen to go in and like to offer the sacrifices and seriously, awesome dude, great legacy, comes from a family of priests and, uh, and, and they're like, hey, keep your legacy going. There's no reason. And when, when they go, no, his name's going to be John, they're thinking, uh, I don't know if you know this, you probably aren't going to be having another kid anytime soon. You're like... You're lucky to have this one. So don't be banking on having another kid named this one John and then name the next one Zechariah. I got I to gotta break it to you. You probably aren't going to be having another child. And so these people around are going like, oh, geez, just, you know, like, that's weird. Why are you doing this? And uh, what what he's saying here, he's saying his name is John. He's saying he will carry on a different legacy than we will. He's got something different on him. 
He's got something different. And it's this family legacy of priests. And John was a priest, but he was also a prophet. And he was the last old covenant prophet. And he was the one who made way, made a path for Jesus to be able to come. And he's got this powerful anointing on him. And he says, this child is going to live out a new legacy. And I want to say, there are a few things, as, I, as I've seen people, and I've seen them, uh, them live out, there are a few things I find as honorable as a legacy legacy changer someone and i've seen this in a lot of different people uh in in my family it was my dad's dad that didn't come from a great family and uh he decided to change that legacy and live a different life in um for pastor jason he has been a legacy changer for his family and, but the person who I've been able to see this happen closest with, been able to witness it actually happen, uh, is actually my father-in-law, Mike, uh, who has come, who, who is raised in a fairly dysfunctional family. And, uh, and he has, uh, said, you know what? I'm gonna change. I know what my family legacy is. I know what it looks like. I know all the, all, all the problems and all the things, and I'm going to change this. And I'm going to be the legacy changer, and my kids are not going to endure what I endured. And their kids are not going to endure what I endured. And I'm going to start a new trend. And there are those of you in this room who are called to do that same thing, to change your family's legacy, to break the chains. Come on, to break the chains, to do, find something new in your life so that your kids don't have to do the same thing, to live a life that's different than anything you've ever even experienced. And that is dependence on God, on the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, something else, Zechariah didn't live a bad life, didn't have a bad family legacy, but there, you, there are some who still have a different legacy even to follow up something good with something new that God's doing, something new. And so there's a couple different legacies uh, that I see, first of all, it's this family legacy. And uh, second of all, it's this, uh, it's this personal legacy. And this idea that uh, if you look at everybody around, as they were around Jesus and around John, and John's being born, and they're in there, and they're doing their thing, and everybody says, he's Zechariah, this baby Zechariah. That's who this child is. That's what this child is. And, and you... A lot of people in this room, the world's been speaking things over you that just aren't what God says. Because God said something different about him. He said, no, you're going to be John. You're going to have a different legacy. In fact, Zechariah, uh, his name meant God's remembered. And John meant uh, the Lord graciously gives. And so the, or this gracious gift. Uh, and so he's saying, look, it's nice to be remembered. But really life is about what you give what you leave. And he's saying, this child's got a different legacy. This child's got something different on him. And the world may be speaking some things to you that are false, that maybe you have even believed and you have taken on, you go, this is, I guess this is who I am. I guess this is who I am. And, um, I had, uh, if I, if I can get a little personal here, here real quick, uh, Eighth, ninth grade, I had a friend, and uh, he and I both had the same problem, and uh, that was late bloomers. We, uh, our voices didn't change. I was going into freshman year in high school, and I'm talking like this, and uh, it was a problem. And and so obviously, junior high and high school, man, people can just be mean. People can be really mean, and uh, and so 
we both got tabbed with this uh, gay title and everybody would call us this. And, and, and so that's what made us like come together. And we're like, you know what? This is this is dumb. This isn't us. We know this. And um, we responded two different ways. One, I had my family pouring into me and speaking things over. And I also was listening to what is the truth that God says? What are the things? Because when you begin to hear these things over and over, sometimes it can make you go, are they right? And, um, and I never, I, I, uh, now homosexuality is a temptation and I understand that. I never even personally dealt with that temptation, but, uh, but my friend Joel did, um, and in combination with the tragic death of his father, uh, he, he took on what people were saying about him. And he changed his lifestyle. And he changed the things that, that we knew God had spoken over him. And, uh, and, and it's just this contrast of realities, of God's truth and the world's lies. And what the world is speaking in it. And... And that there, there are those of you in this room who have that same like, ah, oh, is this really? Everybody says I'm this. Everybody says I, I see this. Or you've been saying about yourself, man, I've done this. I've done this. Man, I'm nothing but an addict. Man, I'm nothing but I, I can't. I just can't get relationships right. Man, I just keep doing. I, I, I keep. I, I keep sinning. I keep messing up. Man, this, I guess is just who I am. And, and we, you, you need a personal, personal legacy change. You need a personal legacy change to flip that around. John, this happened for him at his birth. This happened for John at his birth. And, and John uh, was spoken over by Zechariah, but through, uh, through Zechariah, but by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and you may need a new birth. You may need to be reborn and say I need it I need to take on a different identity I need to take on a different legacy I need to take on something that that's different for me to leave something that's different than greater and greater than what I've been leaving in fact uh, I, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of uh, some of these names Emmett Smith Helen Keller Solomon Northrup Walt Disney Elvis Presley, Albert Einstein, Van Gogh, Steve Jobs, Michael Jordan. Every single one of these are names of people that we recognize. But I can guarantee you, we would not even, we wouldn't, those names wouldn't mean anything to us if they were to listen to the world around them. Michael Jordan getting told you're not athletic enough. Walt Disney being told you're not creative enough. Emmett Smith being told you're not tall enough or fast enough. Helen Keller, just, just man, just be, be what you treated and having to live like an animal until until someone came and believed in her. Uh, Elvis Presley, Van Gogh, Steve Jobs, you're fired. You're not even good at this. You see, you see all these people, what the world was speaking to them. And then the reality of, of God saying, no, you know what? There's something greater. There's something when we see this with people all over in scripture, you see Gideon, you see King David. You see Jesus, you see, you see all these people going, man, this is what the world speaks. Oh, you know what? I saw you. I knew Jesus. I knew when you grew up. Aren't you this child? Aren't you this? You're not that special. You're not, you're not the, 
Are we going to listen to the world? Or are we going to listen to what the Holy Spirit says? Some of us need to shut our ears, need to shut our eyes to what the world is saying and begin to move, come on, and begin to live in the truth that the Holy Spirit is speaking. I want to speak a couple things over you guys. If we'll stand, close our eyes. And if this is you, if this is for you, I just want to say a couple things. Uh, if, if you're holding a different legacy, if you're holding a different problem, a different identity that you need to change and you need to let go of, you go, man, it's broken. It's not according to what God, my creator, the person who designed me has made me to be. I want to say these things over you because in, in, in the blood of Christ, when you come under the blood of Christ and when you say, man, I will follow him with everything in me and I will choose to take on the identity he gives me, not the identity I give myself. And I want to speak these things over for you in that position and say, hey, you are not too broken. You are not too sick. You are not too sinful. You are not too, too, too destructive. You are not an addict. You are not a relational mess. You are not a, a, a problem to other people. You, you aren't those things. And instead, you are, by the grace of God, by His identity, you are chosen. You are righteous. You are sinless. In fact, in God's name, He doesn't even know your sin. He, does, he separates as far as the east and from the west. Stop living like that. God, I declare that each person in here is made righteous in your eyes, has a purpose, has a plan. God, that you got bigger things for them than what they have for themselves. You got bigger things for them than what the world puts on them. Lord, I believe these things. I declare these things in your name, in your name, Jesus' name. These people, the guilty, are made acquitted. The sinful are made forgiven. Lord, the sinful are made righteous. In Jesus' name, you are not what you've been or what the world has said you are. Instead, you are solely and only who God says you are. Come on. In Jesus' name. If we could have our altar workers come up. I want to I open up this time just for a time. We're going to sing a song that fits into this and if and if you don't if you don't come up or, or respond to this that's fine i just want you to sing this song with us but there there are those of you in this room who need to respond to this you need to respond to i need a legacy i need to be a family legacy changer and i need the holy spirit man that's so hard to do i can't imagine i can't fathom the holy spirit you need him come forward get some prayer for that if, if you go man i need to change my personal legacy i need to change my personal identity then i want to challenge i want to call you come forward Come forward and don't wait. Go ahead and come forward because God has something new for you. And just like Zechariah prophesies a new legacy, a new life over John, that's what these people are going to do for you. These altar workers, uh, you can you can go to one of them or you can just come up to the altar and just go go to God. And uh, but but for those of you, I want to challenge you: find an altar worker and allow for them to speak God's truth into your life. Allow for them to listen to what God has to say for you. Allow and, and, and maybe he'll confirm something for you. Maybe he'll confirm something for you. But I just want every, uh, I, I want, uh, during this prayer, 
I'm going to do one more prayer and I'm going to declare over you guys and, uh, and, and pray for you guys and pray for this response. During this prayer, I want everybody's eyes closed except for those who are coming to respond. Except for those who are coming to respond. And during this prayer, I want you to come on up. So everybody close your eyes. Jesus, Jesus, I believe you have something new. I believe you have something new. Go ahead and come forward. Go ahead and come forward. I believe, God, that you got something great, a new identity, a new legacy for each person in this room. God, may we live according to your hope. May we live according to the things that you have spoken. Come on. Come on. I I know that there are people in this room who need to live something different than what you've been living. Who need to live and see and, and experience something different than where you've been. And specifically, specifically people, I know yes, God. There are those of you in this room who need to live and get change your personal identity to God's identity for the very first time. For the very first time and say, man, I do not know God. I don't have a relationship with Him. I don't live with Him. And you need to invite Him into your life and into your heart for the first time by giving your life to Him. Saying, I have a new identity. I have a new hope. If that's you, please, please find an altar worker right now. Find an altar worker. you got priority. We celebrate this. We live for this. That's the changing of your eternity. That's the changing of your legacy. In Jesus' name, let it be. Let it be.
Come on, let's just declare that. That I am all you say I am. I am all you say I am, God. God, I declare that the chains and the weights and the problems and the legacies and and the sins and the issues that people bring up to the altar, God, that you would break those chains, that you would break those things, that they would be left at the altar at the foot of your cross in Jesus' name. Lord, that they would walk away free, that they would walk away lighter, God, than, than what they walked in with. In the identity, in the in the brokenness that they walked in with, Lord, I pray for those at the altar to experience your salvation, your freedom, your healing. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and Lord, I pray for those who who are still in the pews, and I pray for those who are praying for the lost, the hurting. The broken, the sons, the daughters, the mothers, the fathers, the friends, the brothers, the sisters. Jesus, for those who are in that silence, who are in a place where where they're not living for you, they don't have your life, but they have been been being been praying for their friends for so long. God, I pray that you begin to show up. You begin to show up, God. I echo the prayers. Just begin praying for those people who are lost who need this, who need this message, who are not yet in this room. God, I believe, I believe, God, you got great things, that you got great things for them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, will you begin, will you begin with a new identity? Will you begin with an uncomfortableness about their their, their self and their situation and their spiritual circumstance? Lord, we believe in you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I am all you say I am. 